You are listening to Checkered Past and Present, hosted by Jonathan Booth and Brett Lofton. This podcast is about the history and the present day of NASCAR. Now for your host, Jonathan and Brett, take it away. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're coming off of a weekend at Watkins Glen that saw some things get crazy on Saturday, not so much on Sunday. Uh, the playoff bubble is a little bit more clear. We had Kevin Harvick and Brad Kozlowski clinch their way in on Sunday, putting both RFK cars in the playoffs, a great accomplishment for them. On Saturday, we had uh, another Ty Gibbs controversy in which I, Sam Mayer overreacted. Just go ahead and put that out there. But, Brett, what's your take on everything that happened this weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, just a, a quick recap of the weekend, and then we'll get into everything and deep dive into it. Obviously, Sam Mayer won Xfinity race, second career victory. Um, if you heard Ty's post-race comments, he said he has more starts than I have. And I have – I was going for my 13th win. That was his second. But congrats on his second career victory. So we'll dive into all that. Um, obviously, the, the standings getting a little shook up going into Daytona. Uh, Denny Hamlin and William Byron, uh, William not as much. But Denny really has a really good shot at perhaps taking over the regular season championship and winning that Daytona. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll also talk about how, again, both RFK cars being successful, making the playoffs is great for the sport. And, um, yeah, talking about perhaps can William Byron um, lead the charge for Hendrick as they head into the playoffs. We really talked about last week how they've been really, really cold. The other three teams over there, it kind of continued. But the other three teams not named William Byron this past weekend. Now, we do know Kyle Larson had, you know, some issues, which I know Jonathan wasn't too pleased about. But, yeah. Just to talk about Saturday, um, Ty dominated the race. And however you feel about Ty is really irrelevant here. It's a very unpopular opinion among the fan base. I I think that – I really – and again, before I say this, I don't think Sam Mayer intentionally meant to dump him. I really don't. I I think he was still mad about what had happened in the S's, but I don't think he meant to dump him. I do, and I know you've shared the same opinion – I do think he meant to move him out of the way, but I don't think he meant to dump him. I listened to his interview on MRN, um, or, or Sirius XM, I should say, partners with MRN. I, I listened to his interview on there, I think it was on Tuesday this week, and you could tell he, he, he I don't honestly don't think he meant to. Now, the two don't like each other. He didn't mean to move him out of the way, and Ty Gibbs wasn't going to win the race. Uh, I, that is true. My biggest gripe with the fan base and with Sam Mayer and with everybody else is, Sam should have just got out the car and admitted that he moved him out of the way. Don't admit that that was a mistake on your part. The only mistake you had was that you didn't hit him softer. You still meant to hit him. You still meant to happen what happened. Okay? My second biggest gripe. I've never seen a guy in the history of the sport catch more gripe over something that, A, wasn't his fault, but, B, he was the victim of. Ty Gibbs, everybody's on there talking about, oh, he would have done the same thing. Oh, he's, he's just getting a taste of his own medicine. Jonathan, tell me how many times he's intentionally raked somebody, got out of the car, admitted it, besides the Brandon Jones incident in Martinsville. I can't think of one intentionally. Right. Where is it? Yeah, guys, guys get into each other all the time. Guys move each other all the time. But Ty Gibbs, 
is demonized in this sport because of one incident that has happened. And he gets out of the car. He makes a comment he makes, which, to be fair, I love the take that was on DBC. They said he probably shouldn't have made that comment because it's obvious that Ty Gibbs is miles ahead of a better race car driver than Sam Mayer. And that is fair. That is fair. However, what do you want Ty to get out of the car and say? You want him to get out and say nothing? I think it's great for drivers to share their real feelings. I know Denny Hamlin got penalized for it earlier this year. I think it's awesome when drivers can get out and share their real feelings. So, again, that's how I feel about that incident. I was very upset. You figure Sam Mayer would have learned his lesson when he got his eye blackened by him last year, but it's obvious that he hasn't. Um, Sam, like I said, second career win. He's got to win on the oval, though, because obviously, you know, he's got daddy's money on the car. And Daddy used to drive on the road courses, so he knows how to drive on those. But poor boy struggling on some ovals, so we'll see what he can do. That's my thoughts on that. Yeah, my thoughts on what happened Saturday is what happened to the S's didn't warrant Ty getting dunked for sure. But I do believe if you listen to the download, and I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it yet. This I week, actually right? did. I did. If you listen to Junior, I think part obviously Sam. It's not like Ty, and Ty does not like Sam. Mm-hmm. But I do believe a little bit of the problem was is that he misheard what his crew chief was talking about underneath the caution that they came out that led to this restart. Because the crew chief said we would have done the same thing to him and talking about Sam wouldn't have gave Ty the room going through this. Isn't this true? Mm-hmm. Sam would have held him tight and made Ty get offline and have a mistake through this. It's, but then he said, we just need to work about going to get him. And I don't think the crew chief meant in the way that Sam took it. I think it meant what the crew chief was telling Sam, you need to calm down and go catch him. Not run him off the track. That's the way Junior explained it on the download if you listen to it. And I, that may have played a little bit into it, but I do believe that Sam meant to hit him. I mean, you are the same mindset, I don't think he meant to wreck him because if Ty wouldn't have been there, he'd have wrecked himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. let's just be honest about it. And the one thing about it, the innocent bystander and in all of this, poor Austin Hill may have just lost the regular season championship because of it. Did you see what he said after the race? Yes. <laughs> he, he said, if, if you missed it, he said, quote, Sam Mayer can kiss my fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And I have no respect left for him. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it says. But there is one thing I will say about this. I do agree. Ty is three times the driver right now that Sam is. But, man, I hope Sam improves enough to get to the Cup Series because we, everybody says we need a rivalry. This is not a made-up fantasy that TV scripted. These two yeah. legit do not like each other. I would love it if Sam improved enough to get to the Cup Series and be competitive. And they'll I probably know. fight again. No, if that ended up happening, they would fight again, and that would make that would make great for the sport, no matter what side you're on. I mean, I mean, that's one thing. You know, we need those personalities, and them to that stuff is this happened before they ever ran a NASCAR sanctioned event. They didn't like each other. That is correct. So, it would be great for the sport if they wound up running full time against each other in the cup. So, I hope it happens one day. But Sam is a long way off from that happening. And I will say this too: you talk about rivalries. NASCAR really would have had one this year. And I don't think these guys necessarily dislike each other. I know Noah talked a lot last year at the championship week leading up to it. Um, But if you go back and look, 
when Tao won the championship, Noah got straight out of his car and went over there and congratulated him. So I think there was some mutual respect there. Um, mm-hmm. And saying that, I know the lot has happened with Noah this year. But just regardless of all that, if he'd have been in good equipment, all the stuff wouldn't have happened to him this year. You'd have had a rivalry in the Cup Series between the 42 and the 54 this year. Um, mm-hmm. Difference is, though, they have respect between each other, I believe. And like you said, Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs, no love lost whatsoever there. This is not something that, again, is scripted for the sport. You go back, there's a, there's a YouTube video I watched about two or three months ago, and it showed all the incidences between Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs going back to when they were driving K&N and Arca. And they have gotten into it more times than I can count. So, again, <laughs> they have a very long, long rap sheet of history. And that's our thoughts on that. Again, congratulations, Sam Mayer. He did drive a great race just to be able to be in that position on Saturday. So, despite my personal feelings, Sam Mayer, um, dude can dude can wheel it on a road course. And obviously, the way the schedule's going now, you, you gotta you gotta get there. To Sunday though, Sunday was one of the more interesting races I think we've seen all year. It was also one of the more boring races we've seen all year. Got to fix the next gen car. I mean, Watkins Glen used to be amazing. Like. I've never been a road course guy, but Watkins Glen used to be circled on the calendar because of the passing, because of the speeds you were going. I mean, we hyped it up last week, and it was a dud. It was an absolute dud. Michael McDowell probably would have won his second straight race, had two penalties on pit row, and then his engine ended up taking uh, taking a split splat on the ground, and then that was that for him. Kyle Larson showed great speed. Again, just issues, man. I mean, you know, catching a penalty and then – had a little beefaroni with Ty Dillon, or excuse me, with Austin Dillon, and then it got shifted back. But the end of the race was so uneventful, and that's really what I wanted to start off with here, Jonathan. So uneventful. I'm not – and it's not necessarily because he won the race. I'm not saying I was happy with the outcome. It was not a favorable one. But regardless, it just was not a – it was not a good ending. And I don't mean like a green light checkered. I mean like the last 30 laps was just not fun to watch. I agree to me. And I – I love Watkins Glen, and you could hear it in my voice if you listened to last week's episode how much I like this track. But I would watch Saturday, even though Ty dominated the majority of that race until everything got crazy at the end. From second on back, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I would watch that race ten times before I watched Sunday's race again. Yes, I yes. hate to I hate to, die, but those cars, man, they're harder to drive. The the braking ain't as good on them. And and you hear people talk about it all the time, and I'm with you. I used to – I never was – I never was on this group, uh, the same page of people wanting six road courses a year. Now, I was never along that, but I did like the two that we had. Sonoma is terrible now, too. I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. And, man, you could see Sunday – Byron would get ahead by, let's just say, a second, second half. But second through fifth were bumper to bumper, and neither none of them could pass each other. They You've literally never seen caught, road courses. You never seen that. And I mean, the only time that Byron's lead shrunk, he caught a lap car. You're talking about a track that's two and a half miles long, and Byron lap caught these guys laughing. He could not pass them. It took him five laps to pass Andy Lally to lap him. Mm-hmm. That is a problem. Yes, I, a huge problem. And I was listening to Door Bumper Clear, and they're like, we need to go to next gen 2.0 or 3.0 at this point because they've made – this is obviously not the same package we had last year. 
and it has not fixed anything, Brett. And I don't know what to do. It honestly breaks my heart a little bit because it ain't just that. It's the same fact as they run on the short tracks. And since the beginning of last year, with the exception of Bristol, the short track package, the short track races and the road courses have been bad. And I don't know what we can do to fix it. Yeah, and, I and what hurts my soul, it ruined, even though my guy dominated Wilkesboro, that was a boring race to watch because mm-hmm. nobody passed except for him. For whatever reason, he was able to pass the whole field and then nobody could touch him. But back stayed in the same spots all night. There wasn't no side-by-side racing. And that's why right now you see all this big deal about the fairgrounds in Nashville coming back. I'm not excited if that happens right now. Because I think if we had the same package, it's going to be a bad race. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me right now is don't touch the mile and a half. So don't touch the car to mess the mile and a half. So don't touch the car on the super speedway. I, I, I like what we've seen on those in the next gym, but I'm with you everywhere else. Definitely needs some work. Um, I mean, it, it's been, it has been absolutely brutal watching the road courses and the short tracks this year. Um, even a place like Dover. I mean, that was brutal to watch. And, I mean, I, I know it's a it's a mile track. It's not necessarily a traditional short track, per se. But, I mean, the, the really the only shorter track that I've enjoyed this year was not a snooze fest, was New Hampshire. Like mm-hmm. a heavy braking zone. New Hampshire was a solid race. Martin Truex did dominate that race. But it was a solid race. And it's just it's brutal, man. I mean, it is better what we had in the Gen 6 as far as the overall schedule. But... <laughs> Basically, what they did was is they fixed mile and a half, and they messed up everything else that didn't need that didn't need fixing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they have to do, but you got to take some of the aspects that you had in the Gen Six on these road courses and on the short tracks, and then you got to take what you have found at the mile and a half, and you got to combine that in the car, or maybe you do two totally separate packages. And I know that's what they're doing, but it's obvious that it's not translating. So no. maybe you just strip everything out. And, again, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a mechanic. But I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, what we do know, road courses were amazing on the Gen 6, and short track racing was amazing on the Gen 6. Mile and a half racing was horrible. Super speedway racing got to be horrible. And it's the complete opposite yeah. on the next gen. Super speedway and speedway racing is amazing, but road course and short track racing couldn't be at a worse spot in the history of motorsports and in stock car racing. So, um, it just was, it was hard to pass. You had to get all strategy to gain positions. It was, it was, it was a, it was a brutal race to watch on Sunday. And I would just, there is one thing on what you just said that I disagree with you on. And that's okay. We can disagree. It don't, everybody has different opinions. I don't think the super speedway racing is that great. I think it's great at Atlanta because of the handling that comes into play. Mm Mm-hmm. But at Daytona and Talladega, it's too much two by two. The majority of these rooms. So you didn't me. you didn't like the five hundred this year? It wound up getting pretty decent at the end. But go back and watch like Talladega. It was literally just two rows. Like I face agree. Laps. I didn't like Talladega. I didn't like Talladega. I'm and, with you there. I, I felt like Daytona though. Daytona was a lot of that momentum racing, which we see at the road courses and the short tracks, mm-hmm. which is weird to say, right? Like, you really got to carry some serious momentum down in there just to be able to pass. And it's more about outbreaking. But you see it with the aero packages 
and I know it's different aero packages, but you see with the aero on these cars, I should say, at the super speedways, and especially at Daytona, I think you'll see it on Saturday. It's it's all about what um, what line has the momentum, and they're not just sitting there stagnated. I don't know for what reason it's like that at Daytona instead of um, – and not like that at Talladega, but that's my opinion. I, I think Daytona is a little better than Talladega because I think handling matters a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I think that if you get a line of cars that are handling good in one line, that'll make that line move. Because especially the July race, the handling makes it matter. That's why I think it excels so good at Atlanta because it's such a sharp turn radius compared to the other two tracks. Right. The handling – Larson in the race in Atlanta a few weeks ago some, do something he never does. He just moved up just right at the wrong time and lost it. That's what makes them two – I think what makes Atlanta better and Daytona to an extent, but Talladega, especially man, it's just two car pace car laps from the front row back. But yeah, Talladega was really bad this year. I agree. But, uh, and I think that'll be an easier fix than whatever the short track package is. I don't know. I'm not no car guy. And I think me and you've talked about all, neither one of us are car guys. But I do know this, as far as the short track package, and we'll get off of this and start worrying about what we can talk about. They did that Richmond test a couple weeks ago. They took the whole underplate and the diffuser off, and the yeah. driver said it didn't do anything. You know, no big changes. So they, I think between the wheel chain, the tire size, the brakes, I think the brakes are way too good on them, for one thing, and the tire size. you got too – it's just there's something fundamentally there because even removing the diffuser and stuff didn't change much. But anyway. Here's what I think. Here's what I think, and this is my conclusion on this. I think you should run 550 at short tracks and road courses, maybe even 650. And I think – I know this is crazy to say. I think you should go back to 1050 everywhere else. I think that's the only way you solve this issue because it's obvious that they've tweaked around with all the other next-gen parts, but they really haven't messed with the horsepower that much. If you go back and look, they said in 22, this is what our horsepower packages are going to be. Then they change the horsepower packages a little bit for the short tracks and road courses, but they really haven't dabbled with that a lot. I think you start dabbling with that, and again, I know that's the most expensive part of the race car, which is why NASCAR doesn't want to do that many tests on it, but I really think that that's what solves your issue. That's just my opinion. I think that's that's the answer. Yeah, I think more horsepower everywhere would be better. A little bit, to be honest with you. Because the more power it is, the harder it is to get it down. And you got to worry about spinning the tires and everything else. Because I remember being a kid watching it. Heck, you'd see them come out of turn four just about every lap on tracks with the back end hanging out. And you just don't see that near as much as you used to. Absolutely not. But anyway, going back to Watkins Lynn and the effects it had on the point, as we talked about earlier, Kozlowski and Harvick clinched. Uh, speaking of that, real quick, before I move forward, I don't want to forget, Brett, prayers up for Rodney Childers' mama. Yep. Because I don't know if you follow NASCAR, you know that she wasn't there. I mean, he wasn't there Sunday because his mama got sick and had to go get put in the hospital. So prayers for that family. So before and, I forget. And one more. Tommy Baldwin, it was announced mm-hmm. on Sunday afternoon, announced he has cancer. So two big names in the sport, um, both directly affected. Um, so prayers for both of those families and, and both of those individuals. No doubt. And uh, but I know you're happy. Two forwards. 
I'm happy for Harvick his last year. Brad is a really big deal. He very easily could be sitting here locked in already with wins. But it hasn't quite happened for him. But to have both RFK cars in, I don't know if many people would have predicted that. I would have predicted Brad would have been able to point his way in this year at least, mm-hmm. which is what wound up happening. But he's honestly had race-winning speed multiple times. But yeah, that leads yeah, I mean, to the, the biggest thing I wanted to point out right quick, though, okay, is that he's sixth in points. Yeah. And that you do get points awarded for being in the top ten regular season points, which is huge. Even though he just locked himself in, still has acquired a lot of points this year. Actually, two more than Chris, as Chris has won two races. So, just want to throw that in there. Yeah, that could make me go on a rant about what we talked about last week, by the way, that he is six in points and, just, and could have very easily missed if somebody else would have yeah. won on Sunday. But I ain't going to get into that now. But just if you listen to last week's episode, you know what we're talking about. Um. But the cut line now is, as far as points are concerned, if nobody wins, it comes down to Bubba basically finishing. Uh, don't get in a red finish 18th and he's in if nobody new wins over tie. Uh, you got Chase Elliott, who I thought he would be in position to win Sunday, never was, qualified bad. Somehow had a fiasco during the green flag pit stop cycle and <laughs> ran out of fuel. <laughs> and brought out the only caution at Walker's Lynn. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but I remember sitting there. I don't know how – I call it, you was working and watching at the same time, I believe. So, I don't know how close you was paying attention, but I remember – Oh, I was, I was locked in. I was okay. locked in. I just – I don't know if you remember this, but before he ran out of fuel, they started saying radio communications about you put the switch in three laps. I don't even know anything about the actual workings of these cars for the most part because I'm not a mechanic. But I have been watching these races long enough since they came up with this reserve switch. I have never heard them say you could run three laps at freaking Bristol, much less Watkins Lean. So I don't know yeah. how I don't know how somebody it didn't ring in their head that that was not right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I, I don't know necessarily if it was Alan Gustafson's fault or another person's fault on the crew. Which by the way, okay, I'm not a Chase Elliott guy, I'm not a Chevrolet guy. I'm for sure not a Hendrick guy. But, big butt coming there. There's been a lot of people I've been seeing giving a lot of crap to Alan Gustafson this week. Oh, man. Let's get one thing clear here. He's one of the best crew chiefs in the history of the sport, okay? You sit around and you talk about this guy. Maybe it was his mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Let's, for the sake of the argument here, say that it was. He makes one mistake that maybe cost Chase Elliott the playoffs. Okay. Chase Elliott has made about four or five mistakes this year that has cost mm-hmm. Chase Elliott the playoffs that are much more major than that. So let's let's not hear it about Alan Gustafson. Again, Alan Gustafson is perhaps a top 15, top 20 crew chief ever in the history of the sport. Maybe higher than that. Now, I would a little bit higher. generous there. I, again, I'm being a little bit generous there. So for people to sit there and put him down is preposterous to me. But anyway, Steve LaTorre explained it on the, uh, on the race on Sunday. He said that you got that reserve, right? And, and depending on where you're at, but on a different side, you can flip the switch. Um, I, I'm like you, though. You hear guys say flip the switch at mile and a half when they're just about out and they got one or two laps maybe left. You're at a two-and-a-half-mile road course. There's no way you're making it three more laps. So I that was a miscalculation, obviously, at its finest. No doubt. And I wasn't blaming it, but either way, Allen's the one that – tells Chase the info. So I don't know if anybody gave Allen 
I'm pretty sure it was probably coming from an engineer. But I just don't right. see because you know they have all these people in the war rooms at Charlotte that they have now at the shops. I don't see how it didn't click in somebody's head. But real quick, that burned me up the other day when I started seeing that. Alan Gustin has been winning cup races for 20 years, since mm-hmm. 2005 with Kyle Busch. He resurrected Jeff Gordon's helped Jeff Gordon resurrect his career in the last four or five years and become competitive again. He has won a championship with your boy now. And I'm just yep. going to say this toward the Chase Elliott fans, and if you get mad, you get mad. Your boy cost that team at least 60 points between Charlotte and Gateway. Number one, mm-hmm. by destroying his car and finishing in the low 30s at Charlotte, and then the suspension that followed. Mm-hmm. So I anything about Alan Gustin. And by the way, Alan wouldn't have been trying to pull strategy, some kind of crazy strategy, because that's what they were trying to do, because they knew it was impossible to pass. They were trying to do something different than the leaders to try to somehow gain track position. Chase Elliott qualified 11th on Saturday because he was one of the fastest cars in the field because he made mistakes and put them in position to try to do that anyway. So, be fair, I like I said, I t- me and you were talking earlier, I called out Larson messed up Sunday and put them back there. And you got to be able to hold your guy responsible for some of this. Yep. I, I mean, I'm just sorry. This is what it is. It's just been one of them years on top of everything else, and he may win Saturday. I don't see it happening at this point. But uh, I feel bad for Allen that people are wanting to blame him for the entire season and then not making the playoffs because of one. You're going to have those years, though. You're going to mm-hmm. have those years. I mean, I, I saw a stat the other day. There's only been three drivers that have made the playoff every single year, uh, the modern playoff. There's only been three guys, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick. Three guys. Think about who that list doesn't include. That list doesn't include Martin Truex Jr. That list does not include Kyle Larson. That list does not include uh, Kurt Busch, which I know Kurt was hurt last year. That list does not include Joey Logano. That list does not include Brad Keselowski. This does not include, um, again, you keep going down the list. Who are you going to say? Mr. Seven Time. Yeah, Jimmy. He missed the last two years. Right. So – it takes a lot to go in and even be in the top 16, right? Like, even if you mm-hmm. get a win, it still takes a lot to be in the playoffs. You're going to have years where stuff just doesn't go right. But don't sit there and use Alan Gustafson as your scapegoat. But and If I anything, was... he's the reason that they've had a chance to make the playoffs. And just the further evidence to that, Brett, right now the nine teams in the playoffs on honors points, even Correct. with having three different drivers in the car this year. So, he's done his part, and he's done everything. Allen deserves – if they gave a reward for Crucci's overcoming, he deserves it this year, the fact that he's got the team technically in the playoffs because of the stuff that he, him and that team has overcome this year between Chase getting hurt. And I'm not going to call Chase out as far as that being a mistake. These drivers have got to do what they want to do in their free time, and sometimes accidents happen. No hate there. My main thing is that he did cost so many points between Charlotte and Gateway. But – uh. Besides Chase, drivers in a must-win, you know, his teammate Bowman. That's what's really crazy to me is that we're sitting here with 200 cars out of the four. Realistically, only two of them are probably getting in. Because yeah. Bowman hasn't never really been that strong at the super speedways. Chase has. He's almost won Daytona. He's won at Talladega twice. But I just believe that he's in the wrong manufacturer this week, and we'll talk that about that in a little bit. But one thing, Brett, that I want to touch about, uh, 
talking about William Byron. Unless Truex wins the stage of the race this weekend, Byron will go in as a top seed because yep. of race wins. So he's made up for – he's still going to wind up being the top one in playoff points. And one thing, that 25-point penalty for that Hamlin, in my opinion, should not have been penalized for off of actions detrimental is really biting him right now because he would be within, I think, 14 points without it right now of Truex of getting that regular season title. And we all know how easy it is to lose 14 points at Daytona. So, it's yeah, he crazy. Be, uh, he's 39 points out of, out of the uh, – 39 points out right now, and like you said, 25, that'd be 14. So, yeah, insane, insane. And it's – uh, yeah, I'll tell you, we, by the way, just one more thing. We could be shaking up for one heck of a points battle, by the way, if we was under the Winston Cup format. Just going to throw that out why, there. Why, why would you have to say that? That would be that's, – that's crazy that you would even say that because now I'm going to cry. Um, well, you say, yeah, that, we would. It's, it's impossible to have a good championship battle without a manufactured system. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. it's impossible. It's not like you would have four guys all within 109 points of each other, or better yet, three guys all within 76 points of each other, because that would just make too much sense with 11 races to go. I mean, you know, it's it's just impossible, and I'm I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> anyway, well, let's get off of our soapbox. I'm sorry, I started it this time. Um. I started it last time, so it's okay. We're one, one for one. There we go. All right. Next week, we won't talk about it. We'll just talk about the playoffs. <laughs> uh, well, I will say this. If Ty Dillon wins this week, I probably will be talking about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be honest. I'll go ahead and be honest. Yeah, I mean, really, if we're being realistic here, no matter how you feel about the two guys, and I'm on the opposite side of the fence, on, on both guys, one guy I don't like, one guy I love. The only two guys, ideally, that you'd like to see win this week would either be Bubba or Ty. Those are the only two guys not locked in right now. And I know Bubba would be in if the regular season ended after uh, Watkins Glen. But those are the only two guys that I feel like have raced well enough that deserve to be in the playoffs that are not currently locked in. And they're mm-hmm. 16th and 17th in points. If anybody else – if we get a new winner than other than anybody else, I don't feel like anybody else has been good enough to make playoffs this year. Other than those two. Like that and that, again, that's a flawed part of the system and it always will be. I just don't want to see A what happened last year where all the cars get knocked out. I know that was NASCAR's fault, but I don't want to see it even if it's just a big one this year. I know you always have a big one, but I don't want to see a big one, big one, you right. know, where too many cars are influenced in a wreck. I will put it this way. You know, I'm not a I respect Bubba and I think he's a better driver than what most people give him credit for, but I'm not a fan. Right. But I do hope he does not get wrecked out in a big wreck on lap five and then Ty is able to just run fifth the rest of the race and get in. Correct. I hope I, – if Ty beats him out, I hope they race in the end and he either wins or, or maybe Bubba makes a mistake on his own, you know, that cost him. And you can say, no, well, that is my fun. hope. That I is don't my hope because I like Ty. <laughs> but I don't For the want, sake of just as a race fan, I don't want to see that happen. You know, I don't want Bubba to get caught up in somebody else's stupid move and it cost Correct. him. But I will say this, it's going to be real funny if you get a caution and we got a green-white checker. And let's just say it's uh, Brad, for example, first, Gibbs second, and Bubba third. If you're Bubba, you got to take the line behind Ty and then just don't push him. Yeah, oh, but then you mess yourself you... up, too. 
but you guarantee Ty don't win if you don't push because you're gonna shut the whole line down. Uh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I I because that's race manipulation at that point. Yeah, NASCAR's I, been cracking down on that. I feel like if if that's me in that situation, I'm gonna take my bet. I'm gonna go behind Brad. This is gonna be really funny if this happens Saturday night. It's just we'll, <laughs> we'll have to like clip this and post it. But mm-hmm. if I'm bubbling that situation, I'm gonna go behind Brad. Obviously, Ty would probably take the high line, or or Brad, depending on which line gets the working. You take mm-hmm. whichever line behind Brad because my thought process at this point is, I have a better chance to win at this point if I go where Brad goes. If I take the line, and I know Brad's still really hungry for a win too, but I have mm-hmm. a better chance to win if I take the line for Brad versus Ty because Ty at that point. It's gonna be record to checkers, baby. He's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna block you into the infield wall, yeah. and anybody would do it in that situation, not just Ty Gibbs, because that's what he's got to do to make the playoffs at that point. Well, let's just be real here. Brad Kozlowski has nothing to lose if he's up there. It's gonna be checkers or records for him too. That the man has correct. he has not won since April of two thousand and twenty-one. The man's hungry. He's done been real close, and I know he's happy for his team. You know, it's eating at him that. That team has three wins since he's been there, and he ain't one of them. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he, he's legit happy for the team, but if he's up there, and Brad is tough to beat, and he is, man, it's going to be, I just got to, I know I've been saying it for weeks, but, man, this, I got a feeling, especially after Atlanta, and they had a set, because at Atlanta, like I said, it was hot, the handling matters. The, it's going to be hot, and the handling is going to matter, even though it's going to be bunched up Saturday night. All that right. six car well, is going to be I, tough. It, it seems like we need to do a transition in a race weekend. So, yeah. we <laughs> are going to be spread across two different places this weekend, across four different series. Xfinity and the Cup Series will be in Daytona, while the ARCA and Craftsman Truck Series will be in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Mile. Also, IRP and the Milwaukee Mile, two of my favorite tracks as a child. So, again, not just going to be focused on what's going on in the upper two series, but also the lower two as well. Going to be awesome. Um, it is different this weekend in the sense that Xfinity will race on Friday night in the Wawa 250. There's like 18 million Wawa cars in Xfinity yeah. race. <laughs> so don't be confused about that. Um, and then the, the Code Zero 400. Oh, God. I know, right? <laughs> the Code Zero 400. It's going to be on Saturday night at 7 Eastern. Um, but then on Sunday, we'll still we'll have racing on Sunday. It just will not be uh, the Cup Series. ARCA will be at 1 Eastern, be at Milwaukee. They'll run 150. And then at 4 Eastern, you'll have 175 from the Truck Series. And that is going to be 150 laps and 175 laps, respectively. So, last year this race, go ahead. Real quick, there was some breaking news that I feel like we need to touch about the trucks today, about GMS okay. shutting down. Yeah, that is good. That's good. I didn't forget about that. That's two championships, countless wins. That, that, that was really sad to see. You either knew that was fixing to change manufacturers or quit one because there was no way that somebody that owns part of a cup team that's going to Toyota was going to keep running Chevrolet trucks. Right. And uh, I feel bad. I hope Grant Infinger is able to find a ride because he's done really good with him this year. Um, it is sad to see because they've been a part. They've been a really big part of a lot of drivers' careers coming up to the ranks. And then, uh, just real quick on the ARCA, 
I just want to say this. I got the pick right for Rockies win on Arca, even though it was kind of, you know, everybody would have picked him. But I did say Jesse Love was going to win last week. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will give this. I cannot remember the name, the guy that was leading that race. But he led over half the race with like a broken sway bar or something on the car. And he still almost beat him. That was an incredible drive. I wish I had his name. I, it was on my mind and I forgot it. Cannot believe I forgot his name. I've been thinking about that the whole show. It wasn't Frankie anyway. Munoz, was it? No, it wasn't. I know he's had a pretty good year. Yeah, he, considering that how late of a start he got, he's been a whole lot better than what I thought he'd be. I would agree. I would agree. I thought it was going to be a publicity stunt, and he's actually led the points like two different times because of Jesse having some bad luck and not being consistent. Yeah. Awesome. But, uh,. Moving on back to the weekend, one cool thing about Friday night too. I don't know if you've seen. I love Jeff Burton throwing back that, that twenty-two awesome. car that he's running. That looks awesome, and it reminds yeah. me of the first few years of watching racing. So I've seen that and, caterpillar dodge. And the reason that he's having to run a twenty-two is because George Anderson, mm-hmm. thank the good Lord above, is able to get back in a race car. And America's crew chief. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love that Larry Mack's coming back to help him do that. Which, for those of you that do not know, Larry Mack is his father-in-law now. So, I did. I did. I was one of those that did not know that. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, Jordan married uh, Larry Mack's daughter because it apparently comes out Larry Mack chewed his blood out while he was in the hospital last year at Talladega after that <laughs> incident because he was not wearing the uh, some. You know, they came back and made it. Mandatory for some of like the under fire retarded like underwear, undershirt, the mask that they wear under their helmets. He wasn't wearing most of that, and they said Larry yeah. Reynolds chewed his butt. I know Brad has been a big guy on getting that instituted. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one He's thing: always been about driver safety. Yeah, he has. Which Brad's been hurting one of them cars too. If you remember back yep. in 2011, so if you look, I, I will say this: I thought. I'm so thankful Jordan Anderson survived that day because I thought I had watched somebody pass away from the grandstands at Talladega that day. Yeah. It was scary. The way he – his still, the Lord was with him the way that he was coming out of that truck and he didn't wind up getting seriously hurt. And all he had was some – I say all he had like it ain't nothing to burn, but it could have been so much worse. But anyway, let's move – I'm sorry I went off on a – No, I was just going to say, track. I that was one of the very few truck races I got to watch live last year. And, um, yeah, I was right before I moved out here. So, that was, that was very scary. Very, very mm-hmm. scary. But the Wawa 250 will be on USA, by the way. I know people are always curious about TV. And the Cup race will be on big NBC, so your local NBC affiliate. Um, it was also announced today, Ty was supposed to run the Xfinity race on Saturday night, which would have been interesting to see how things would have shook out with Sam Mayer. But it was announced today, Interstate Batteries are going to come back on board. With that 19 car, and Trevor Bain will be running that race mm-hmm. on Saturday night for JGR. So, um, Trevor Bain, where he got his only career Cup Series victory, will be back in a uh, race car there on Saturday night. Big fan of Trevor. He does great work for Fox now on Race Up um, while running part-time. He and it, it, It's funny that both networks have a guy who dabbles in Xfinity Series but also mm-hmm. does reporting with Parker Kligerman with NBC and then with Trevor with Fox. Um so that's going to be fun to see. But, uh, yeah, getting to the race on Sunday night, I think the biggest thing that we hope, and I, well, I say we, I think I can speak for you here, 
you don't see a wreck that knocks out somebody and it just ruins a race because it, unless it's their fault. Like if mm-hmm. Bubba tries to throw a block like he did at Talladega this year and then ends up getting wrecked, well, that's on him. But you don't want to see something else happen to where it would mess him up and it not be his fault in the points battle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, selfishly, if you don't like Bubba or you're pulling for Ty Gibbs in the points battle, but just as a race fan, you don't want to see that happen. Um, you also don't want to see what happened last year when Austin Dillon was 20-something, whatever he was in points, and won the race, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, if Ty Dillon or Austin Dillon or somebody else like that wins a race on Saturday night, I will be a very disruptive customer to come on next week's podcast. But you seem pretty – ambitious and pretty ready to go with your picks. I'll let you go first this week. Um, one real quick, just to touch on what you said about Bubba blocking. If it comes down to the last lap and it's him and Ty and he blocks Ty and Rexy, I ain't even going to call that Bubba's fault. It's just that he did what he had no choice but to do. You know, if it's that That's late in the race. Now, don't do that with 30 laps into the thing. Then we're going to talk about you. But if it's the last lap, he's just doing what he has to. But Going into picks, Toyota. Man, Toyota has not been good at super speedway races for a long time. Other than Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is literally the only one that ever contends, and he somehow, and most of the time what happens, he waits for all, because a lot of the problem is because Toyota's at such a numbers disadvantage right. as far as working with each other. So I, I and it would be him or Bubba, really, and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace, I guess. Uh, that's what I'm going to go with to be my best Toyota. It'd be between him and Hamlin. And I think Hamlin's going to be so worried about helping him that if they're up there, Hamlin's going to wind up finishing right behind him. Unless he has a chance to win and knows that Bubba's in the points by then. So I'm going to go with Bubba for my Toyota. Chevrolet. I, I got to go with Kyle Busch. He nearly won the Daytona 5. He technically did win the Daytona 500. He lost the Daytona 508 or whatever it wound up being. <laughs> um, and then he won Talladega in the spring. So that eight car, they have had speed at both of them tracks, so I'll go with him. And then Ford, man, I, I've got to go with Rex Lassie. It's just He literally, in his interview the other day, said, we're locked in. I don't have to worry about points. We are dangerous. That When he talks like that, the man's confident. He very easily could have won either Atlanta race, which is basically the same style of racing now. In the mix for Talladega until the late race wreck. I think he went mm-hmm. up finishing second in that race. They didn't have a chance to run it back when the last caution came out. Um, I just – I got a feeling, man, it's going to happen, and I don't see why. I just think it's fitting for somebody that is up there in the top three or four in the history of Super Speedway drafting type wins right behind Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, and Dale Jr. It's a fitting place for it to happen, and the Fords have been really, really strong at those kinds of places for the last several years. So I'm going with Brad Kay to be the best Ford and win the race. I have some heaters of some picks. These are either going to hit or they're going to be totally missed. So um, I think this is a good week to do it just because of where we're at. Um, so in saying that, I'm going to go with uh, Ford, so I'm going to start out with. Best finish in Ford will be Brad's old number. It'll be Austin Sindrick. Um He won the 500 last year and hadn't done anything since. So I think that that team is starting to show him some speed, though, over the past, I'd say, three or so weeks. 
Um, they've started to put together some, the string of top 15s. I think that they could have a really solid finish on Saturday night, um, if not win. And, again, I would be upset if he did because he, he doesn't deserve to make the playoffs. But two cars starting to show some speed, which is always good for Ford. For Chevrolet, Kyle Larson. And, again, I know that's, that's a heater of a pick because – not because it's Kyle Larson, because he always seems to have bad luck at Super Speedway. Um, but I really feel like, again, he's had so much bad luck that something's got to change, right? Like, he's yeah. had so much bad luck, he's got to start having good luck at some point. And I feel like that that starts on Saturday night. But who I'm picking to win the race? I was sitting here, I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm going to pick whoever you don't pick for Toyota. You pick Bubba, and I was like, man, I, I'm probably going to pick Denny. And I, I just can't. Maybe I'm stuck on it because I like him. Maybe I'm stuck on it because he needs it. Maybe I'm stuck on him, and I'll defend myself here because he needs his first career win. I'm picking Ty Gibbs, and here's why I'm picking Ty Gibbs. If you go back, you watch the 500. First career 500. He ran top 10, top 15 all day. Got caught up in, in some junk at the end. We go to Talladega. Ty Gibbs ran top five all day at Talladega, and then he ran out of gas on the final restart, lost the race. I had a chance to win the race that day. I had a really good chance to win the race that day. Um, Atlanta races, he kind of hasn't really been an issue. Or he's been kind of a non-threat there, but I'll take those out because I feel like Daytona and Talladega still a different beast than those Atlanta races, in my opinion. Um, I just feel like if they can bring the same car that they brought it from Talladega, and it's going to be tricky, right, because Denny obviously wants to get Bubba in, but Ty's his teammate. You still got Bell and MTJ to help you out, but who else is going to help you out out there, right? Like, it's a numbers game. But I, I just – I don't know. I got a feeling, man. I keep saying and I keep making a comment that Ty's going to win a race before the end of his rookie year. He's only got 11 left. So, I guess I got to start picking him about every week, and I, I got to end up hitting and missing some. But I, I generally do believe that as well as he's ran on the big plate tracks this year, that he's going to have a good shot at it. Um but if I had to pick somebody else, I, I agree with you. Um, Brad Keselowski is a great pick. And I I think that – I want to just be different because I don't want to say I have the same picks for the sake of the podcast every week. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, him, him, him he's going to be really dangerous on Sunday – or, excuse me, on Saturday. Chris will be too, but Brad just being the, the, the plate racer that he is, it's going to be dangerous. Dangerous. One on of the Saturday. best ever. Yep. One of the best it's be ever. fun to watch. And don't count on 22 either. 22 is all, no. always great on play tracks. If he ever gets Brandon the lead, you talk about one heck of a blocker. He's scary <laughs> okay. with his blocks, man. He oh, scares yeah. you. Especially, you need to watch him blocking in person at Talladega coming through the trial. That's real sketchy. TV don't do Joey's blocks justice. <laughs> I don't know how. I'll set that. The race that he won there in 18. Yeah, it was the first year he won the championship. He won the spring race at Talladega. Those last 15 laps. I thought he wrecked in front of the whole field like 15 times going to the trial. Well, that joker, he ain't scared. I'll give him that. And he held on to it somehow a bunch. I will touch on one of your picks, and it's happened to be my guy, Larson. His luck has been terrible, but if you go back and look at the 500, he was in the top five on the white flag lap, making a move to try to get the lead. Yep. Uh, he was in the top five at Talladega until the wreck happened with Chastain. And Noah, that's what that that's and Noah started. And he's ran really good in Atlanta the last two years too. Just has no finish. His luck is terrible. But that's the one what reason I'm saying. the speed is good. But here's what I'm nervous of: 
and I don't think he would give up a win. But if it comes down to six to go and Alex Bowman and Elliott up there, I don't think he's going to try to make a move to pass him. So that's I don't know, I man. Away from it. I have got it. The, the 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 what's between the ears of the man that drives a five car every Sunday or well, yeah, Saturday in this instance. It's a lot different than a lot of other guys out there. Yeah. And I don't true. think Mr. H or Jeff Gordon is going to tell him not to go battle for a win. I just – I can't I can't see that. Yeah. I know Willie B's done came out and said he's going to do everything he can to help him. I hadn't heard Larson say that. Because Larson <laughs> and Elliot really ain't best friends anyway. No. No. I mean, they no, don't – Not, not at all. They ain't – between a couple incidents and I think Chase got a little bit – I don't know. I don't know if you want to say upset, but – he went from winning the championship to no not being the top dog the next year. And I think that's a little bit of a – well, then bothers him a little bit too. So, And Larson's kind of most of the time just don't care. He just wants to win. So, don't matter who you are. But in that instance, they might try to get him to. And I just think – and also, I don't think Larson has confidence at Daytona and Tyler either late in the races just because he's had so much bad luck. But eventually, if he keeps running fourth or fifth, eventually the wreck's going to happen. He's just going to miss it win like some of these other people do. But. That's correct. <laughs> but he's up there. and try, I wish he'd figure it out because, man, it breaks my heart every year at Talladega to watch him be up there and it don't happen. But uh, Well, for me, you don't want to see a guy like him or even a guy like Kyle Busch. Um, really, those two guys stick out to me right now. And even in TJ, right? You don't want to see any of those guys, caliber or race car drivers, retire without a Daytona 500 win. And, don't forget Brad. Uh, yeah. I mean, as, I don't know. as good as he is, he hasn't won the 500 somehow. He's that like is Dylan. true. That is he true. He won Daytona in July. He just hasn't ever won the 500. I just, for me, for Brad, I don't know. For me, for Brad, it's not that Brad hasn't necessarily won it off of bad luck. It's that Brad is, um, when they go to the 500 every year, it seems like he's always a non-story. The only year I think he's lost it off of bad luck or maybe a bad move by somebody else and I'll admit it, was Joey in 2021. That was Brad or Joey's race to lose, and they lost it. Um, so, I don't know. No, I, I, no. You want to see one of those guys win. Definitely no doubt. And I would argue with Brad, though. He's had a – I think he's had more bad luck than you think back to. The thing is, is that he just has been the unlucky person that gets involved in wrecks in the first half, and you don't think about him having bad luck as far as winning because he got caught up in somebody else's mess in the first part of the race. And that's happened that's to a right. bunch of them. So, but yeah, you don't. That's, there's definitely Bush, Truex, and Truex. Truex has by far been the closest out of any of them with that race with Hamlin. As far as yeah, he's had two, two, two or three really, really close finishes. It seems like with MTJ mm-hmm. just being there at the end, but just hadn't got to get there yet. Yeah, he definitely has. Larson technically is I mean, the closest he's been, and it broke my heart with 17. He ran out of fuel on the last lap in that fuel mileage race that Kurt wound up winning. He almost had it. But uh, anyway, is there anything else that you think that uh, we possibly missed going into Daytona that we need to touch on? No, I mean, I, I'm excited. I think this is always a great time of the year. Um, the one thing, and, I, and again, I know we don't like the playoff system, but the one thing it does do, right, it's, you're going to have excitement on Saturday night, right? You're going to have excitement mm-hmm. seeing where the 23's running, where the 54's running. Um, you're going to see excitement if you see a guy who's not in the playoffs outside of those two, if he's able to get up there and take a lead of the field. I think you're going to – this is when it starts the string of, you know, 
Saturday night, you're going to see who makes the playoffs. And then three more weeks from now, when we go to Bristol, which is one of my favorite races of the year, you get the cutoff race. Mm-hmm. And then three weeks after that, you have another cutoff race. And then three weeks after that, when you go to Martinsville, right, and you see who makes the championship, and then the next week after that, you have the championship. So I say all that to say we're entering the most exciting stretch of the Cup Series season. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe not in the actual ra- – I hope in the actual race itself, but in, in the build-up to the races and, and the sideshow, if you will, around the races with the playoffs, and that's obviously what NASCAR wants. They announced this week that Netflix is uh, doing a, a documentary-type um, series on the playoffs and that will release in early 2024. So there's a lot of build-up around these playoffs. It's obviously drawn a lot more eyes to the sport. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, and it all starts on Saturday night. I know it's not actually the playoffs, but let's be honest. The playoffs are 11 weeks long because what happens at Daytona mm-hmm. really goes a long way in effect in the next 10 weeks. So I'm very excited. Um, and, again, I know kind of agreed to disagree on the plate racing. Nothing will, nothing for me will ever touch racing at Bristol on lights and racing at Daytona on lights outside of the 500 and outside of the championship race. I love it, man. It takes me oh, I love, a child. Oh, my I love, love the Daytona night race. My only problem is it should be on 4th of July weekend. I, I don't care. We are on the same page there. I agree. I don't, I don't care. The package is one thing. It is still special watching them cars at Daytona with the lights shining off of them, the sparks when the wrecks happen. It's just something. To, and speaking of that, I hope we get lucky to weather because so many times lately we have been stripped of our Daytona night race because of the weather. And moving it from 4th of July hasn't helped it. Well, let's get a uh, let's let's take a gander at that before we get off the podcast. This is either going to hurt us or help us. I've been scared to look. Saturday night, precipitation. Knock on some wood because we got zero percent. We we don't have a chance of rain in Daytona Beach until Tuesday, and we're recording this on Wednesday. Again, don't hate me if it rains. I'm just telling <laughs> you what the Apple Weather app says. So, hopefully it is correct. I hope so, man. It is. And I love the Friday night race, too. I think I'm I'm going to have to record it and watch it when I get home from some football games. But uh, I will be watching that race before Saturday night race, whether I watch it live or record it. So, I just love Daytona. I, do I love Daytona and Talladega. It's amazing. I love – it's just something about the thrill of the – because when it goes bad, it ain't good, but it is amazing watching them guys hold them cars two and three wide that close to each other for that long. And it's amazing when they're doing it well. And sometimes you'll watch them do it for half the race and not have a single problem. And I think it just showcases how good our drivers are in this series. Not only just I the agree. Cup Series, but the lower two series, too. I agree 100%. Well, uh, with that being said, Brett, uh, I think we have – had a good show. Look forward to being back Monday, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about who threw a bad block, who maybe should have threw a block. Uh, I hope we're not talking about somebody 30th in points being in the playoffs. Um, But I got a feeling we won't be. I think there's too many stout guys that either have one or – in my opinion, the guy that hasn't won is already locked in the playoffs. But, um, guys, I hope y'all have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the races. 
normally I say go support your local short tracks. This week is not one of the weeks where I'll be supporting my local short tracks. So if you don't understand, because I'm going to be at my house Saturday night. So everybody have a good one, and we will see you all Monday.